The Insider's Guide to Energy Hydrogen mini-series is brought to you by the Hydrogen Dialogue Summit and Expo, taking place December 6th and 7th at Nuremberg Exhibition Center. This edition of the Insider's Guide to Energy Hydrogen mini-series is brought to you by FORS, a leading international strategy and management consultancy with focus on the entire trading value chain. Welcome to Insider's Guide to Energy Hydrogen mini-series. Today we have with us Johan Dreyer. Johan, welcome to the series. Hi, thank you. Thank you for the invitation. Very happy to be here today with you guys. Johan, before we kick off, maybe you could take just a second and tell us who you are professionally. So uh, I'm from Chile, although I have a very German name. Um, I was born and raised uh, in the Atacama Desert. Uh, and uh, I have uh, an academic background in politics and economics, and I did a master's in international energy, um, after which I developed my career in energy consulting uh, and project development. Um, so I worked in companies like Engie, uh, BCG, uh, Inicio, and now uh, I launch my own consulting company, which is called High Match, uh, and we specialize in the matchmaking of uh, industry stakeholders uh, in the global value chain of green hydrogen. Um, on the one hand, and on the other hand, I'm also the president of uh, H2 Antofagasta, uh, which is the association of green hydrogen project developers uh, in the north of Chile. Johan, welcome to our podcast, also from my side. So we heard a lot in the previous podcast from Germany, Germany's infrastructure, German hydrogen initiative and strategy. Now you from Chile. So what makes Chile so special when it comes to especially green hydrogen? Maybe you can tell a bit more. Sure. Um, well, uh, we've seen the exponential growth uh, of the green hydrogen industry over the last uh, three years, in which we have seen uh, the rise of uh, the so-called champions of green hydrogen uh, in different geographies worldwide, uh, such as Australia, uh, African countries, the Middle East, uh, and Chile. Um, this is because, of course, 70% uh, of the cost of producing one kilogram of green hydrogen relies on your cost of uh, uh, producing renewable energy, your LCOE. And um, uh, certain countries, like uh, such as Chile, for example, uh, have the most competitive costs uh, of uh, uh, energy in the world. Uh, Chile, for example, has the lowest one, uh, under 20 megawatts, uh, under $20 the megawatt hour. Uh, which, uh, of course, uh, uh, gives uh, a very attractive uh, economics uh, behind the production of green hydrogen in this geography. And um, on the other hand, uh, Chile uh, is uh, a very well-known destination for uh, in, uh, foreign direct investment in multiple industries, uh, such as mining, for example, but now energy. Um, we can see uh, in um, studies, for example, such as Bloomberg's uh, New Energy Financing um, Climatoscope of 2022, which Chile was uh, chosen as the number one destination uh, for uh, investments in renewable energy projects worldwide among um, emerging economies. Uh, and hence, of course, this is a, 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 an analysis of multiple criteria, such as, uh, again, the cost of producing renewable energy, but also the political stability and the regulatory as well, uh, visibility in terms of permitting and project development. So um, I think these are two uh, key elements that make Chile a very um, attractive uh, destination for developing green hydrogen. And also, and I think that's very important, um, Chile has uh, both in the north and in the south, so Atacama Desert and Patagonia, 
um, the capacity for producing over 70 times more uh, the, the, the energy that it needs. So uh, Chile can potentially become a net exporter of uh, renewable energy. And until very recently, we couldn't build uh, transmission lines from Chile to China or to Europe. Uh, it was impossible to store, economically speaking, uh, an electron, right? So we needed a green molecule uh, to uh, being able to uh, store and then export these uh, green electrons produced uh, in Chile. And green hydrogen now provides a solution for this as a carrier uh, of, of green energy. And hence, now we can untap uh, all this uh, potential for producing uh, renewable energy and exporting it to the main consumption markets through uh, both green hydrogen and its carriers, uh, such as e-fuels and green ammonia. So I think like those three elements are kind of like strong, uh, uh, let's say, factors for uh, investing and developing green hydrogen projects in Chile. Thank you. You know, that is very, very interesting. So Chile is, is, is special when it comes to green hydrogen, I understand. And you mentioned these two regions. And one of the regions, Antofagasta, we learned that you are the president of H2 Antofagasta. Uh, maybe you can tell us a little bit more about this, what, what this organization is and what your role is. Sure. Um, well, I think it's important to first uh, understand the ecosystem of green hydrogen project development in Chile. Uh, so countrywide, we have over 50 uh, five zero uh, projects currently being developed uh, in the country. Um, and uh, we have uh, pretty much all of the different business models for producing uh, green hydrogen. So we have a group of projects which are large scale gigawatt projects, which will, uh, which are export driven and will uh, export green molecules to the main consumption markets worldwide um, through ammonia and through e-fuels as uh, preferred carriers. Uh, but also we have uh, projects which are looking to produce for local offtake and local consumption uh, driven by multiple industries, but especially the mining industry in the north. Um, in the north of Chile, we have uh, the largest copper mines and lithium mines in the world. Chile is uh, the largest copper producer globally um, with a third of the global uh, production. And, um, and the mining industry uh, has, uh, over the last century, developed uh, a whole value chain of uh, related industries around uh, the mining uh, industry, such as um, desalination, uh, such as uh, uh, renewable energy production. Uh, in Chile, we have uh, the largest desalination capacities uh, in Latin America. Uh, for example, in Antofagasta, um, uh, the major cities are all supplied uh, by desalination, desalinated water. Uh, and also uh, the renewable energy industry has been around for over a decade. Uh, and um, Chile was one of the few countries in which no subsidies or feed-in tariffs were required for the production of renewable energy because it was already competitive because Chile historically has been a net importer of uh, fossil fuels. Hence, the mining industry was paying very high uh, power prices uh, and, and and hence that was a big driver for renewables. So um, in terms of green hydrogen project development, the ecosystem or the portfolio of projects that we see in the north, it's very uh, diverse and very heterogeneous. So we have the large scale ammonia projects and e-fuel projects for exports, but we also see a very strong pipeline of small to medium sized projects which will supply the mining industry um, mostly in its, lo in its logistics, uh, in terms of freight trains uh, or uh, forklifts or trucks 
that um, are operated by suppliers of different kind of services for the mining industry. Because of this very specific uh, ecosystem compared to the rest of the country, especially in the south, in Patagonia, which is exclusively large-scale projects for exports, it was uh, necessary to create an independent and regional association which would be led by uh, people from the region. Uh, for example, I'm from Antofagasta. I was born and raised there. And, and first of all, to coordinate these different players, because we have um, energy companies such as Engie, for example. We have industrial gases companies like Early Kid. We have mining companies. We have uh, desalination-related companies. We have ports. And all of these companies are entering the green hydrogen ecosystem. Hence, it was necessary to organize them and try to find common uh, objectives and uh, priorities to favor the development of projects in the region. Hence, we started a year ago, exactly next week, it's our first anniversary. Uh, we signed, the, the we created legally the, the association and uh, we started with eight companies and now we are 12 companies and we should be uh, between 15 to 20 companies by the end of the year. So um, that's kind of like in a very, very general approach why it was necessary to create this organization, this association, and, and, and what we're looking to do is to, of course, um, decentralize the decision-making because Chile is a very centralized country. Most of the decisions are taken in the capital city in Santiago, and we want to change that, and we want to bring green, the green hydrogen industry to the people in the Antofagasta region, uh, and, of course, bring the experts and bring the companies for them to have a closer relationship with the whole ecosystem from the local authorities to the local universities and, of course, the different civil and social organizations which are in one way or another uh, related to the green hydrogen ecosystem. Wow, that, that's quite a bit going on. Um, you know, going from 8 to 15 members or 20 members is a pretty ambitious uh, a goal. Um, a couple things come to mind. You, you mentioned offhandedly some projects uh you, you said like rail and trucking and some other things um with your eight members so far do you have some projects that you're focused on or are there some early projects that are in development that you could share some details on or what kind of things you're looking at sure sure for example um in the region as i mentioned we have 24 projects uh currently being developed uh, uh of different sizes and different technologies and almost all of them are uh, developed by our member companies. Not all of them, but a, a, a significant majority. And um, of course, what I can share is the public information available. But um, if I can give uh, some different type of projects, because uh, there is a strong group of green, large-scale ammonia export, uh, export-driven projects. Uh, but there's also one which is uh, ammonia for local production uh, for local consumption uh, in the production of explosives for the mining industry. So blasting um, uh, devices for, for 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 explosive in the mining industry, and then we have a couple of e-fuels uh, related projects, and then uh, projects uh, for uh, hydrogen for consumption in, in mobility applications. So. Uh, two projects which I think are flag flagship projects in the region are the first one is the one developed by Air Liquid. Um, the project is called Amer, M E R M A M E R, sorry. And this project, uh, it's uh, it has an installed capacity of eighty megawatts of electrolyzer, um, and it's an on-grid project, so it's connected to the grid. Um, of course, uh, aiming to have 100% uh, green PPA for the power uh, supply. 
Uh, and Early Kid, for example, announced that this electrolyzer will be its biggest one so far in the Americas. Uh, and the project aims to produce uh, 30 tons per day of green hydrogen and 60,000 tons per year of uh, methanol, e-methanol, uh, which will be mostly exported. Uh, so Proman, uh, it's the it's a major off-taker of this uh, methanol, which will be exported. Um, this project also secured a, a subsidy from the Chilean government back in 2021 uh, of $12 million, uh, which will be used uh, for uh, a share of the capex of the electrolyzers. Uh, and the commissioning date, um, uh, it's uh, around uh, uh, 2026, so it's still a flexible date, but uh, 2026 onwards, this project should be operating. And um, I think it's interesting because uh, it's um, one of the two e-fuels uh, projects in the region, and they will capture the CO2 from a, a point source which is a cement um, uh, facility uh, in, in, in the Antofagasta region. Um, so uh, kind of like to give you some idea on the economics of these kind of projects, uh, not specific to the project, but where we, what, but where, what we are seeing with on-grid projects in, uh, in Antofagasta is that the LCOH of these projects, so the cost of, uh, of, the, the, of, of hydrogen, it's around um, four to seven dollars uh, the kilogram of hydrogen of course depending on the size of the project the technology etc but that's the range that we're seeing for the on-grid projects right and um, then another project for example that I can mention uh, it's uh, on the on the green ammonia side for exports uh, it's a project called uh, Atacama hydrogen hub uh, developed by a company called Humboldt uh, green hydrogen. Uh, and this project uh, has an announced electrolyzer capacity of two gigawatts, uh, so 2,000 megawatts of electrolyzer installed capacity, um, with a commissioning date uh, on 2027 onwards. Uh, and of course, this project is targeting mostly um, export markets. Uh, this project is located in the Mejillones area, which Mejillones is the biggest industrial port in Antofagasta, which there is a significant cluster of green ammonia projects looking to export through the existing infrastructure, port infrastructure in Mejillones. And um, these kind of projects, uh, let's say the larger ones for exports, uh, what we're seeing, again, this is not specific to this project, but a range of, uh, of costs and economics of these projects. Um, An LCOH uh, for, for these projects, we're seeing between 2 to $3.5 dollars, uh, the kilogram of, of green hydrogen. And um, and the LCOA or the cost of the ammonia produced uh, through these projects is uh, roughly between six hundred to eight hundred dollars the ton of of green ammonia, which is quite competitive um, nowadays. So um, so yeah, I think these two projects are are, are kind of like a, a interesting ones to be shared uh, and uh, for for comparison purposes, for example, on what's happening in in Antofagasta. It sounds exciting on the projects. Um, one thing that was going through my mind as you were describing the scale of some of these projects is where where does funding for these kind of projects typically come from? You know, from other countries, from individual institutions like you were talking about, and how competitive is Chile in that funding? Because I mean, there's a lot of capital, green capital that wants to get placed, right? And folks are looking to get a return on that. How, how does Chile fit into that equation? 
Yeah, I think it's a good question. I think like it's important to highlight that Chile, it's a very uh, open economy. Chile is the country in the world with the highest number of free trade agreements. Uh, hence, um, it's, a, it's a very investment friendly uh, economy for several decades already. And that can be seen, for example, in the mining and in the energy industry that we have. Actually, the energy industry for a couple of years now, it, 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 it um, displaced uh, the mining industry as the number one industry in terms of foreign direct investments. Hence, uh, um, uh, we rely, of course, mostly in uh, foreign uh, capital. Again, uh, Chile is a small to medium-sized country in Latin America. It's still an emerging economy. So uh, let's say the local financial markets are not big enough to cover the uh, costs of uh, these uh, very capital intense projects, right? Uh, which is a trend um, uh, pretty much everywhere. Um, so uh, having said this, um, the companies, most of the companies, let's say the multinational companies that, we, that, that, that we're seeing that are developing projects in Chile, they are funding the first stages of these projects through equity uh, directly uh, or doing, of course, project financing with their strategic partners. Um, so I would say that at least until this stage, uh, the projects have been funded by the companies, for, by developers themselves. Uh, the Chilean government has, of course, uh, do its best to, 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 to provide subsidies uh, to, to the green hydrogen industry. For example, um, back in 2021, uh, it allocated $50 million uh, to six different projects for their electrolyzer CapEx. Of course, this is... This is, this is uh, uh, not a significant amount, but uh, it shows uh, the the commitment of the Chilean government to actually uh, boost the industry, and, um, and 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 yeah, in terms of uh, investments, uh, again, uh, I think it's there's a very strong dynamic of M and A today in Chile, and projects what they are looking to do is to reach um, the ready to build stage, in which they can secure the funding for uh, FID. Uh, However, now what we're seeing is mostly what projects are aiming for is to uh, get DEVEX, so development expenditure uh, capital uh, from international investors. And in exchange, of course, they give equity of the SPVs. So basically it's DEVEX for equity until they reach a ready-to-build stage in which they can do FID. So uh, again, um, uh, they are there's a very dynamic market at the moment uh, and uh, Chilean projects are either looking for uh, international partners or um, being developed by the companies themselves and, and funded. I thought it was very interesting to hear that some of the hydrogen and ammonia is already being used locally. It's not all being shipped. So even though you said mining industry, are there other, other applications where the locally produced green hydrogen is being consumed? Or do you have a kind of a target that you want to achieve that the local economy, the local population will use the locally produced green hydrogen or green ammonia? I think, well, Chile historically has been a net importer of energy. Uh, so uh, we have uh, high uh, costs of fossil fuels in all of the Chilean economy. So there's a strong incentive for um, changing uh, this scenario through locally produced green fuels, which eventually will be cost competitive uh, 
because it gives you uh, energy independence and sovereignty uh, compared to the variability of uh, international fossil fuel prices. So um, we saw this already with the, in the power sector uh, through the development of the green uh, in the renewable energy generation uh uh, part of the value chain over the last decade. And now we're seeing a strong interest from potential off-takers as well of green fuels locally. Um, for example, in the north of Chile, the mining industry, there's a cluster of mining companies called Altalei, which uh, uh, has the main uh, mining companies active in Chile. And they uh, announced, they published in uh, March of 2023, the um, the roadmap the roadmap of, for green hydrogen in the Chilean mining uh, sector, and they announced that um, the mining industry in Chile will be consuming around half a million tons of hydrogen per year by 2030, which translates uh, roughly in five gigawatts of uh, electrolyzer capacity by 2030. So. I think this is highly relevant and it shows as well the commitment of the mining industry to progressively um, uh, shift into green fuels because, of course, it makes sense if you get uh, a cheaper locally produced and green uh, source of energy. And in this regard, for example, we see projects such as uh, Engie's uh, Hyex project, which is looking to produce green ammonia to, 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 to produce um, explosives for the mining industry. Um, so that's one example. We have uh, another project, for example, which is looking to, to replace green hydrogen uh, in um, the copper smelting processes as well in the north of Chile. Uh, we have as well uh, the example of uh, one company called FCAB, which is owned by a mining company. Um, and this is a um, freight train operator in the north of Chile. And they bought uh, a green hydrogen fueled uh, train uh, this year in China, which should be operating uh, next year uh, in 2024. So we also see um, penetration of green hydrogen mobility as well in the logistics and uh, of, of, of the mining industry. Um, we also see e-fuel related projects, which are looking to produce as well e-fuels that can be used in blending uh, in, uh, in the mining uh, operations. Because you need to understand that, for example, um, there's the core uh, activity of mining, uh, which is, for example, the huge mining tracks, which uh, at the moment are very hard to re be replaced by uh, green fuel alternatives. So blending of e-fuels makes more sense because you're not going to ask to a mining company to replace their fleet of mining tracks uh, um, for, for a technology that doesn't exist yet. So there's one that is being tested in South Africa, but still like we don't see this technology being mature before 2030. So what makes more sense is to replace them in trains or in uh, uh, smaller vehicles, such as uh, Forklifts, for example. Johan, when do you reckon will Chile become independent? of importing fossil fuels when will that be well the national strategy of, of the national green hydrogen strategy was, was which was published in 2020 I, chile was the first country in latin america to publish their hydrogen strategy and one of one of the first ones in the world which shows kind of like the early mover approach of the country in this regard um 
states that uh, the targets are five gigawatts of uh, electrolyzer capacity installed by 2025 and 25 gigawatts by 2030. Um, so a significant part of that electrolyzer capacity, of course, aims for uh, exports, of course, because that's where the main off takers are and the highest uh, willingness to pay is for, for the first generation of uh, uh, green fuels. Um, however, uh, progressively, the country, of course, will uh, will see a higher and higher penetration of, of green fuels in the different economic sectors. But having said that, I think that Chile can comfortably be uh, energy independent during the next decade. I think it's a hard question to answer with a specific year, but with the, it's, it's a small country, so 18 to 19 million people, and with a capacity to produce 70 times more the energy that it consumes. One of the things as well that we're seeing in the industry is that uh, even though we have a first generation of large scale projects for exports, um, these projects themselves will also have probably will have spare capacity to be sold into local markets in Chile. And these are the projects that will reach um, economies of scale enough to be the cheaper suppliers. So we should have cheap green hydrogen and derivatives available from 2030 onwards. You mentioned earlier um, in your conversation about exports. And I think you mentioned China and, and other places where you couldn't physically move electrons. And you said molecules are great. What I didn't hear was, what about South American market? You've got Brazil, you've got other markets nearby. Are there pipeline plans in South America? And will this, other than being locally to Chile, will, will you plan to sell hydrogen in the region? Not really, because I think Latin America has already a very green energy matrix. Uh, Brazil has a significant share of hydro, and uh, they are looking to be themselves a green hydrogen exporter, uh, competing with Chile in that sense. Same with Colombia. Um, Argentina has also a clean uh, energy matrix as well. They have a lot of natural gas. They have a lot of hydro. Peru as well has a lot of natural gas. So um, I don't see, and of course, they are not uh, heavily industrialized economies, which could pay the green premium of uh, Chilean green fuels in the short term. So um, I think that that doesn't really uh, incentivate uh, or motivates the Chilean producers to sell locally uh, compared to, of course, the opportunity of selling to uh, the main uh, off-take markets such as uh, Europe and Northeast Asia. Uh, which are um, actively pursuing uh, off-take contracts in the short term and paying this green premium. So at least uh, in the first generation of projects, or let's say in the next 10 years, uh, uh, clearly it will be either the local Chilean market because we, we pay for expensive imported fossil fuels uh, or uh, export markets globally. And then, so those global export markets, I'm assuming are basically reached by ship. Uh, what is the infrastructure for the ports to scale up and meet that kind of um, export demand that you're projecting? Yeah, I think that's a common uh, pain point that we see pretty much everywhere uh, in the countries that are looking to produce and export uh, green hydrogen and its derivatives, uh, which translates into a common infrastructure uh, for uh, converting hydrogen into derivatives, uh, can be ammonia or can be e-fuels, and then exporting it, right? Um, it's easier to export through an existing technology uh, rather than exporting through a new technology. And 
uh, e-fuels and ammonia, uh, we already have existing capacities and technologies for that. They are mature industries. Hence, it, make more, it makes more sense to export through these carriers, at least uh, in the first generation of projects. And then as for liquid hydrogen, uh, that should be um, uh, economically feasible uh, from 2030 onwards. But at least that what we're looking at the moment is uh, in terms of ports infrastructure, of course, adapting, at least in Chile, um, the cluster of projects around um, one port, existing infrastructure to through the, to export the, the carriers through one port and not for each project to build their own port because it doesn't make sense. And uh, there could be um, efficiencies gained, for example, in terms of the ammonia production facility because so far... Most of the projects are targeting to have their own ammonia production facilities, whereas these could be, of course, uh, worked out into having uh, one uh, industrial ammonia cluster, which will be supplied by several green hydrogen producers. And then you will optimize uh, the cost of ammonia production through one shared infrastructure. But this is still being discussed in terms of uh, policy for adapting and 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 and. and, and placing the right conditions for this kind of decision-making in the short term. So I found it very interesting to hear that your local mining industry is basically the bridgehead when it comes to the decarbonization of the industry in, in Chile. What are the biggest obstacles there in, in order to keep the pace or accelerate the pace, uh, include others? In, on, on, on this decarbonization path, what do you see there locally in Chile? Well, before answering to that question, I think it's important to highlight that in Chile, we have uh, multiple pilot projects currently operating that produce green hydrogen and use green hydrogen locally. Um, this year, for example, we saw um, the, the, the operation uh, of uh, one project which is injecting hydrogen into a natural gas pipeline uh, for supplying domestic consumption uh, in the central north area of Chile. So that we were seeing hydrogen uh, blending in pipelines. That's already happening up to 20% of, of, of uh, the blend. And uh, Walmart as well with NG, they uh, launch a project which is already operating, which is a whole fleet of uh, forklifts uh, in Santiago, in the capital, which is also fueled by green hydrogen. So, um, And we also have the project in Patagonia, which is the uh, Haruoni project, which is uh, which produces uh, e-gasoline for exports, uh, Porsche, uh, the German car manufacturer is the, is the off-taker of that project. So we see, for example, these brakes that, that are already operating and producing uh, and for local off-take, uh, many of them. But as for the mining sector, uh, which is, of course, expected to be the largest one in the coming years, I would say that the barriers are mostly two. Uh, the high cost of um, hydrogen mobility technologies. So basically, when we talk about uh, the cost of... Uh, Fuel cell truck, uh, when we talk about the cost uh, of uh, fuel cell forklifts, for example, all the mobility-related applications, we're still seeing costs which are uh, three times higher than conventional technologies. So that's on the one side. And on the other, of course, we still see uh, a high cost of, of green hydrogen, despite being the cheapest one in the world. If we see projects between 4 5 $6 a kilogram of hydrogen, it's still... It's still high. So um, I think that uh, we need to bring those two sides closer through uh, smart uh, 
policies and also uh, for uh, eventually the technology of green hydrogen technologies to go down um, the cost, sorry, in the coming years for uh, for helping uh, the, the mining sector to, 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 to give that uh, uh, pace. And I think like something that also relates to that is that we're seeing, for example, that several players... Again, it's easier to sell your green hydrogen through a carrier, which is already, uh, which can be quickly put into the market. Let's say steel, for example, green steel. Uh, it's easier to sell green steel uh, compared to green hydrogen because the offtaker of green steel will be uh, willing to pay the premium uh, because the whole value chain is already in place for producing green steel. Same with, with green copper, for example. Uh, but um, thing is, um, if the mining sector would have a premium, let's say in the main markets of the Chilean copper, which is um, the European Union or China, and that these 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 uh, offtakers or clients uh, w- would pay more for a green commodity such as copper, that would be a big incentive as well for the mining players themselves to pay more to the green hydrogen developers uh, for this premium. But again, this is not happening at the moment. So, uh, so, so yeah, I think we're working on that as well. So again, I would say the cost of technology, uh, mostly, and also the, 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 the steel. And, and what about the penalty for greenhouse gas emissions? Would that play a bigger factor for the, let's say the decarbonization of the Chilean industry? You mean like a carbon, like a carbon tax? Yeah. Carbon tax or other factors that will actually make the production of green hydrogen more competitive in comparison to fossil fuel or traditional technology? Yeah, I wouldn't say that's a big discussion at the moment in Chile. Uh, the focus is still it's in export uh, projects. I think that would come from the buyer side, right? Like again, and it relates to the green copper uh, approach. Uh, it, it, it's always the regulation uh, that drives the market. And we see it in Europe. So uh, if, for example, industrial players in Europe are, uh, increasingly more, I don't know, like uh, influenced by the regulation, which is pushing them to go green. Um, eventually, the same will happen with the mining industry. And once that happens, uh, uh, there there will be hopefully a green premium for this copper, and which will then be translated into the the local ecosystem of projects in Chile. It, it sounded like we're we're still early, right? You, you admitted that the cost is a bit high still. Um, your your pilot projects is where you're at, and you're seeing economies of scale dropping dropping the prices. What you're banking on, and you're banking on the the off takers, Europe and other countries that are trying to reduce carbon to to help force the economies of scale there. I guess locally, what does this initiative mean for jobs and employment in the region? How does that help your region out? So, are these jobs that are currently are the people that are going to be working in this new industry? doing something else and changing jobs or these creation of additional new jobs in your region? Mm, yeah, I think that's a good question. Um, well, we need to be very clear that the uh, green hydrogen production, it's very automatized and very, uh, I, I, I went to the largest plant in, in, in Europe a couple of months ago, which is a 20 megawatt electrolyzer facility, and it was operated by three people. So, and, and this is not the, you know, like exponential in terms of like those three people can probably, uh, operate a much larger facility as well. So, um, volume, I would say of production does not translate in number of jobs. And that's the same trend everywhere, uh, because that's how the industry operates. Same with a solar plant, with a wind farm, 
Uh, however, um, we see uh, by like from the energy industry itself, they are shifting their workforce from thermal plant operation or fossil fuels uh, uh, related power production to uh, renewable energy and green hydrogen operation. So there's already an in-house sort of like shift internally in terms of uh, the, 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 the technical expertise needed for this. Uh, I think where most of the value is, is in the manufacturing capacities of technologies related to green hydrogen. So what we're seeing, for example, with countries like um, the Middle East and others is that uh, the local content aspect of um, producing uh, green hydrogen related technologies is important. So by this, I mean eventually manufacturing electrolyzers or fuel cells in Chile, right? And converting capacities and industrializing the economy related to this green hydrogen industry. So I think this is kind of like what eventually in the future should add a larger role uh, to the job creation side. Thank you, Johan. I, I learned a lot about Chile and what makes Chile so special when comes to production of green hydrogen. And I think that Uh, is reflected also in the fact that a German a delegation of German politicians went to Chile in early spring so, uh, from the federal state of Bavaria to see these projects as they uh, take shape. Um, what do you think Germany can learn from Chile when it comes to green production of green hydrogen or the hydrogen strategy, national, national hydrogen strategy? Well, I think Germany's highly involved in Chile for many years now in terms of green energy development through GIZ, uh, through Fraunhofer, through main uh, operating companies like Siemens, uh, Linde, uh, Porsche now being the off-taker of the first e-fuel project in Chile. So I think Germany has a lot of stakes in the game and has a very good and profound relationship with Chilean uh, project developers and, 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 and players in the energy industry and in the mining industry as well. Um, we also see uh, Germany active, for example, in the financing of hydrogen projects. Something that I didn't mention before in the financing question is that um, the Chilean government, together with three international banks, one being the World Bank, the other one, the International Development Bank, and the other one, the German bank, KFW, they are uh, launching um, a facility called uh, of one uh, billion dollars. Uh, um, which will be uh, allocated to green hydrogen projects in Chile. Uh, the Chilean government is putting 200 million and the other 800 million are, put by, are, are placed by these three banks. So this will be very cheap debt to the first generation of projects uh, in Chile. So again, Germany is also involved through that. Um, so what I think that Germany, I, I don't know if Germany can learn uh, many things from Chile because uh, they're very different uh, uh, Economies And of course, uh, Germany is an importer of green hydrogen and it's a technology exporter. Chile is an exporter of green hydrogen and a technology importer, right? So uh, I think the, the synergies are natural in that sense. And the opportunities are strong, not only for Germany, but also for other industrial economies in Europe. But I think the relationships are strong. There's an MOU between Chile and the port of Hamburg as well to boost the uh, exports from Chile to Germany in the near term future. So uh, again, I think like uh, the cooperation opportunities are already quite solid and they can only grow uh, in the near term future. So the synergies, this is very interesting. And I guess that if you want to learn more about these synergies, there's a very good opportunity 
at the Nuremberg Hydrogen Dialogue, which will take place December 6th in Nuremberg. There will be the ambassador of Chile to Germany will speak there and will tell us a little bit more about this uh, connection between Chile and Germany. And there will also be a delegation from Chile that will be able to tell us and tell all the visitors to this hydrogen dialogue more about what's going on in Chile with respect to the production of green hydrogen. So thank you very much, Johan, for this very interesting dialogue and these very interesting facts and figures about uh, H2 Antofagasta. Thank you very much for inviting me. Thank you, Johan. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. For our audience, we hope you've enjoyed this episode. It's been full of content. It's been extremely interesting to hear about what's happening in Chile, hearing what, you know how this applies and how green hydrogen is really growing. Uh, if you like this content, don't forget to follow us on Insider's Guide to Energy Hydrogen mini-series. There's a lot of content still to come. It's a great series. Uh, if you've enjoyed our guests, uh, don't forget to visit them in Nuremberg at the Hydrogen Dialogue, December 6th and 7th. You get a chance to go talk to them, ask them follow-up questions. And we will see you again next time on the Insider's Guide to Energy Hydrogen mini-series. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.